This is it. This is the answer. It says here that a bolt of lightning is going to strike the clock tower precisely 10.04 p.m. next Saturday night. If we could somehow harness this lightning, channel it into the flux capacitor, it just might work. Next Saturday night, we're sending you back to the future. everybody, and welcome to Frank Reviews of Father-Son Expedition Through Pop Culture. I am Harrison Lickner, the son. And I am your father. Yep, and that's that's Frank in Frank Reviews. Frankenstein. Frankenstein. Yeah, we're going to have to do Young Frankenstein come come October, but that's that's getting ahead of ourselves. This week, we watched Back to the Future. Finally, a normal movie. A normal movie. A normal movie. Yeah, okay, normal. All right, well, we're going to get into that, because I actually made... This is, like, the first time I actually took notes as to what I wanted to talk about in this episode. Uh, But, yeah, let's start with that. Normal. Before we recorded, I had you watch the the clip of uh, John Mulaney. It's a very weird movie. Marty McFly is a 17-year-old high school student whose best friend is a disgraced nuclear physicist. And I shit you not, they never explain how they became friends. They never explain it. There's not, not even in a lazy way, like, hey, remember when we met in the science building? Like, they don't even do that. And we were all fine with it. A stand-up comedian talking about Back to the Future. And did that uh, impact your thoughts on the movie at all, or...? Yeah, he doesn't have to use those curse words. Oh, okay. That kind of deters right. from his his class. All right, fair enough. Yeah, uh, but it was a uh, it was interesting. Okay, well, uh, fa- however, well it was, wasn't accurate. Oh, well, well, what did you think of Back to the Future in general? I'm, did you see it in its original run in 1985, or uh, uh, I saw it with you when you were a little kid. Okay, I was trying to place that date because that's actually a good lead-in. So I remember. On a family vacation to Washington, D.C., you had gotten me a gift, and you weren't telling me what it was, but yes. you, you, you gave me little hints and bits and bops uh, to try and clue me in, and I was not getting it at yeah. all. Now and now I'm trying to find the ding-ding. You were thick as a brick. Well, I was also like five so, You're thick as a uh, yeah, thick as a five-year-old. And now, of course, I can't find the ding-dang tagline, but you used the movie's tagline as the hint. Where the devil? Here it is. And it's right on the poster of the movie. Uh, he was never in time for his classes. He wasn't in time for his dinner. Then one day, he wasn't in his time at all. Yes. And I have 
vivid memories of me as a five-year-old running around the, the, the Jefferson Memorial, I want to say, trying to figure out what the hell you were talking about. And of course, when we got back to the hotel room eventually, the gift was a, a new VHS copy yes. of Back to the Future, because the, the trilogy had recently finished, and I was trying to place this. Uh, so this movie came out in July of 1985, and then the sequels came out in November of 89 and May of 1990, respectively. They were made back-to-back. Wow, okay. Well, the, the, the sequels were made back-to-back, um, which we'll, we'll, we'll get to that in a little bit. But I was trying to parse that because I guess the trilogy had just been released on VHS for the first time, so that was your gift to me. As like a pre-post-Christmas present, whatever sort of thing. So I thank you for that, because I realized much later that these movies were incredibly foundational for me. <laughs> in terms of... Well, I, let's say it's kind of stupid, because we'll get into it a little bit more in um, Back to the Future Part 3. But like you can instantly see where I get my love of... like. Uh, uh, the Western sci-fi mix. Doc wears a long brown coat in that, and I've I have a uh, it's you know from Doctor Who, but I've got a long brown coat, uh, like a kind of working class aesthetic to scientist, yeah, uh, to scientists like between Doc Brown and and Ghostbusters and like Hellboy. I think it all traces back to this right. for me as a little kid. Okay. Uh, what did you have any favorite parts? What stood out to you um, this time? Well. Uh, I liked it because it was easy, simple story, easy to understand. <laughs> okay. Um, there was no like hidden whack crazy crap in it, like you, you, you know, like the Dark Crystal. Yeah, I was gonna say you did mention the Dark Crystal as soon as it yeah. ended. So, um, and it was fun entertainment, good family <laughs> entertainment, uh, a, a cute kind of story. Uh, Michael J. Fox, um, um, very good in it. Young uh, Fox was uh, real good in it. Um, and the, uh, oh, the doctor, what, oh, uh, Christopher Lloyd, Christopher Lloyd, yeah, Doc yeah. Brown. Yeah. He's, he's just classic. <laughs> anyway. Right. Uh, good story. Um, interesting. Uh, although in that little comedy bit that you did show us, uh, show me half hour ago, uh, the, the question was brought up by the comedian, like, like, how do Marty and Doc Brown become friends? Oh, man. And that is, a, is an interesting question. Well, Marty goes to Doc Brown's house slash lab. Garage. Next garage, to a Burger King. And, he's, <laughs> and he plugs in the amplifier. I'm just, you know, it just flowed with me that that Doc was helping him get a good amp, you know, build a giant amplifier for his electric guitar that apparently he, <laughs> he enjoyed playing or something. And um, I'm not really sure how they got together, but that was never an issue for me. So I've delved in deep to all of the special features. And of course, I'm an obsessive nerd lunatic. So I, I've done all the reading. This This script... Uh, as we know it, Back to the Future went through something like 40 rewrites wow. before we got to the final product. And it wasn't even a, a car at first, the time machine. First, it was a refrigerator powered by Coca-Cola. <laughs> then it was... Uh, uh, and then Doc Brown had like an assistant chimpanzee named... Oh, nice. like I. It, it went through so many flipping drafts, and then eventually they landed on a car, then a DeLorean, uh, and it just, 
so much nonsense and junk. But one of the things that got lost in the original, uh, uh, in the the evolution from first draft to finished movie, was how Doc and Marty met. Apparently, uh, um, Marty was always supposed to be a bit of a rabble rouser and a bad kid, and he broke into Doc's lab one day to investigate. Okay. Like you do when you're a teenager, okay. and he thought Doc's inventions were really cool. Okay. And uh, Doc just kind of took him on as like an assistant gopher yeah. sort of that thing. That would, yeah. Yeah. It's it's just one of those things where it's like you really don't think about it while watching the movie because the movie does give you just enough information to go off of. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, it, 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 we kind of blurted over. And yeah, Marty was a. Uh, a rule breaker, mm -hmm. uh, you know, in a the slacker. A, yeah, well, uh, <laughs> job principle. Was, <laughs> I don't understand. You know, a slacker to me is a slacker. Somebody that's lazy doesn't do anything. Marty wasn't particularly lazy. He just followed his own thing. He wanted to do his stuff and, and not what they wanted him to do. Which, of course, many of us. End up doing. Now, speaking of uh, foundational movies for me and bonding with you as a little kid over time travel movies, I, I'll, you know, hopefully will the, the the third movie won't get delayed again or anything like that. But uh, Bill and Ted Three is supposed to come out later this summer. Um, but I heard an interesting take about how the original Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure is actually a weird parable about how. Schools should teach to the student, not to the test. Um, okay. I, I think once you get a refresher on Bill and Ted, that would be a more interesting take okay. for you as a teacher or former teacher or I whatever. I'm a big Bill and Ted fan, but I, I saw the first movie. But well, yeah, we'll, we'll tell that story when we get okay. to the film, but yeah. Um, oh, God, what else was there? Um, let's see. Oh, so, well, <clears throat> the, the point that occurred to me, mm -hmm. I don't know, what the, towards the end of the movie. Okay. Um, the name of the town is Hill Valley. I think it's Hill Valley <laughs> it's High School. Hill Valley. Yep. Hill Valley. Uh, what the hell is a Hill Valley? <laughs> it, you know, uh, right. You know, somebody had fun with that. There is a hill and there is a valley. Somebody had fun putting that in. Right. Yeah. You know, like, uh, you know, uh, I don't know. It's, it's a pretty solid generic town name. But Hill and valley. The, the two words, w once you said it out loud, I realized, oh no, together that doesn't make any sense. Right. But if both of those words were independent in a town name, it would make sense. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, like Mountain Canyon or something. <laughs> There's a canyon in a mountain. Right, yeah. Or, uh, I don't know, like uh, Ocean Desert or something. It, it was... <laughs> It's just, it's just weird. I mean, it, it's okay, but, you know, right. small, small, small item, small item. Uh, let's see. Oh, while, while, while we're on the uh, subject of Hill Valley. So I think I told you this during the movie, but uh, while I worked for large box chain bulk store. Uh, Sam's Club. Yep, Sam's Club. I've quit uh, almost nine years ago. I don't care anymore. Uh, while I worked for Sam's Club, they sent me and a mess of other people to Bentonville, Arkansas, which is where uh, Sam's Club Walmart originated. <laughs> and um, they thought it would be fun uh, as employees of Walmart uh, to show us the 
uh, the Sam Walton Five and Dime Museum, which is located uh, in the town square of Bentonville, Arkansas. And the museum itself is abysmally creepy. Like, the little Five and Dime is right in the middle of the block, and they've bought that entire block. So you walk into the Five and Dime, and it's like the store as it was in the 50s, but then the rest of the building is all museum. Okay. Dedicated. Do you want to see part of the barbed wire fencing from Sam Walton's compound in Texas? Do you want to see a stuffed and mounted Labrador retriever that he owned? They've got it all. But the town square itself, it really is exactly that Mr. Sandman sequence from this movie when Marty realizes he's in 1955. Right. I really wanted to run over to a trash can and pull out a newspaper and check the date while I was yeah. in there because it's really just like, oh my God, this has not changed in 60 odd years. It's worrying. <laughs> uh, so, um, let's see. Did any, there's a thing. Did anything stand out? Cause you were only like two in 55 when this movie was set. Did anything like stand out to you or anything uh, like know, that? Like just the, a throwback the, sort of thing. You know, it's the classic old old style mm -hmm. 50s kind of uh, motif, you know, with the clothing and, you know, everybody's seen it in, you know, different uh, uh, books and pictures and movies and stuff like that, or, or the music or something. Right, yeah. You know, the, the diner and the and the town square. And the, you know, the, <laughs> the complete lack of anybody that's not white. Yeah, the, well, that's, well, except, yeah. except for the the, the, the... the musicians and the guy in the diner who would later become mayor. Yes, the, Clean up the busboy. Yeah, uh, it was a black guy, uh, and they even uh, uh, his, his boss uh, uh, mentioned to him that he's colored. Right. Uh, yeah, a colored mayor. That'll be the day. Yeah, which you know, which would be typical, you know, dialogue for the fifties. Well, and it would more or less typical. I'd say this was the sanitized version, but yeah. No, that's that was that was the the, 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 common, the parlance. Yeah, the the common term, uh, usually amongst white people. Um, I didn't know any black people mm. uh, in the fifth. Well, I was just a little kid. Well, yeah. Uh, not till I got to school, particularly high school. Yeah. Well, we're all uh, doughy white male suburbanites, yeah. so like, yeah. Um, you know, but uh, I know my parents from the ages of the thirties and forties uh, used the term colored to refer to black folks and um um obviously it's not uh, a good term to use these days PC, was, yeah yeah but that was a common you know, right. common usage um anyway yeah uh, but well, he, was, yeah. he was the anyway only, uh, person of color in the whole place uh the the uh, oh, the, the, uh the, the musicians um i forget the name of the band in the movie itself but uh uh Biff's uh, goons uh, after they throw Marty in the trunk. And I never caught this up until this viewing. Yeah. Um, when they throw Marty in the trunk of the, the musician's car, they all step out of the car and just smoke billows out. And I'm like, oh my, why have I never caught that they're hot boxing the car before? Because yeah. even Biff's goons say that they are reefer addicts, yeah. which I just thought was, what do you want? What do you want? Are we bothering you? Sorry. Is this one of the dogs is bothered uh, by us recording? Tell us how you really feel. 
Am I leaving enough room? Can can she get down, or is that get down? Okay. Get down. Get down. Nope. Okay. We are recording in Dog Kennel Studios once okay. again. Or the uh, suburbs of Langmore, Pennsylvania. <clears throat> yeah. The, the de- deep in the bowels. Yes. Uh, so I thought that was hilarious. Um, but yeah, the, you know, the, the, the black guys smoking pot, the black musicians smoking pot in their car. In the <laughs> like, you'd have to be really working at it to generate that much smoke, I think. Well, um, you know, hey, it's Hollywood. Yeah, it's Hollywood. It's it's, it's like the the fog machine in that car yeah. must have been. Uh, it's fantastic. Uh, uh, oh, um, Johnny Be Good, uh, which Marty <laughs> supposedly wrote in right. this movie, and then, um, and then passes on to Chuck, <laughs> Chuck Berry. It's your cousin Marvin Berry. Yeah. Oh man. Mar- you know, Marvin Berry and uh, something or others was the band. Yeah, at the Enchantment Under the Sea dance. And, and he turns them on to the new sound he's been looking for. And, of course, Chuck Berry then makes the song quite famous. Which we did Google it. Uh, Johnny Be Good was originally released in 58. Okay. So, yeah, a good three years uh, for, uh, for, for Chuck Berry to have uh, a plausible deniability yeah. from this random phone call from a high school. Yeah. I love that. Um, let's see. What else did I want to talk about? The DeLorean itself. Now, I don't know how much you know about the history of the DeLorean Motor Vehicle Company. No. It is buck wild, and I'm going to try and condense it into uh, uh, something uh, reasonable. But uh, the idea was uh, basically like what the, the the Tesla and the future, the Cybertruck, whatever uh, Elon Musk's horrifying uh, thing. It, the idea was it's supposed to be the car of the future and it's all sleek and stainless steel body. And this, you know, it looks like a spaceship, essentially, even without the time machine crap uh, super glued to it. Um it was originally manufactured in Ireland in 82, and I think it was only in production from 82 to 83, pretty sure. Those numbers are a little suspect. And it was a fairly decent car, as originally produced. But when it was imported over to America for production, they decided, well, one, they had to contend with a lot of the American uh, manufacturing laws at the time. So the engine was reduced in size to effectively like a lawnmower engine style of thing. If you look at the speedometer for an actual American made DeLorean, the speedometer does not go past 80. Mm-hmm. So the idea of it getting up to 88 miles per hour is a joke to oh, begin wow. with. Yeah, exactly. Like even the speedometer on my Mazda hatchback, uh, goes up to like 120. I don't think that thing's ever done 80, let alone needed to get up past 100. Wait, wait, when when did they produce the? 82 to 83. 82 to 83. Yeah. And the and the movie takes place in 85. Oh, that's okay. I'm thinking yeah. 55, but that's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. Like um, there's it's even a, a virtually new car. Virtually new car, but it had already stopped production because 
besides the engine being woefully underpowered, they decided to cut costs by instead of making the body completely out of stainless steel, it's actually an incredibly thin layer of steel stretched over fiberglass. Right, so it was very lightweight, but also there, there's even a joke in Back to the Future too. It's like, we should land on Biff's car, give him a fright. It's like, are you kidding? He's in a Ford, we're in a DeLorean, he'd tear through us like tissue paper. Uh, <laughs> that was in this movie? No, it was part two, sorry. Oh, okay. But it's just commenting on the, you know, okay. the, it, the DeLorean was chosen purely for aesthetics, I'm okay. convinced, because, like, John DeLorean, the creator, uh, he did write Robert Zemeckis, the director, a letter saying thank you for immortalizing my car, but um, the DeLorean just became a fancy way of transporting cocaine, right. because boy howdy, John DeLorean loved cocaine. So, the, 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 the Wikipedia deep dive into the history of the DeLorean uh, uh, vehicle companies is is truly amazing but it's thanks to back to the future that car is just permanently ingrained in your brain yeah uh there is and uh, okay so a couple of things so um one i am very disappointed uh i cannot fit in a delorean properly because it's such a tiny car and i'll post pictures of me like in the quote-unquote time machine at a Comic-Con from last year, standing next to a DeLorean to give you a bit of a size thing. I'm six foot two. People forget that Michael J. Fox is only 5'4". Yeah, he's a small guy. Yeah, he's a small guy. Um, uh, uh, Thomas F. Wilson, the guy who plays Biff, um, we're going to talk about him more extensively for Back to the Future Part 2, because that's really kind of his movie. But... You can see him and Christopher Lloyd, Doc, anytime they're in the DeLorean, they are violently hunched over. And uh, especially when you see Marty trying to operate like the gearbox and, and the, 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 the stick shift um, in this movie, he has to like contort his elbow into these inhuman shapes to get around all of the extra time circuitry props that they jammed into the car. Uh, it gives you no room to operate. It's alarming. Um, Maybe somebody just said, well, let's make it a car, and uh, what's like a really cool car? Is yeah, it? exactly. Somebody just thought of a, uh, you know. It's a, it's a, <clears throat> the, uh, you know, could have been a Volkswagen or something, that, which would have been interesting. It would have been interesting. It, the darn thing does look like a spaceship, though, yeah. like I said. And for that one gag where the DeLorean crashes through the barn when Marty originally goes back in, goes back in time, it really does look like a spaceship crashed. Yeah. Um, let's see. What else did I? Um, what, did, was there was anything? A lot of, there was a lot of uh, brand, uh, branding, uh, merchandising. Oh God! I, I don't know if they did that. In the, you know, in the eighties or something. Oh yeah, was, they did. Was, I mean, they don't. They do it now, but not as much. But I mean, it was so obvious. There was there was the sodas, there Pepsi, was the liquor. There was um, uh, all kinds of different um, brands and uh, and stuff. You know, there was. To me, quite obvious, which I, I'm sure I didn't notice the first time I watched it. I feel like we're more aware of it these days, so it's like, uh, when they're doing it so blatantly in yeah. these past movies, and that's actually a pretty uh, stupid story, so E.T. had come out a few years before this, and the infamous story with that was um, they approached uh, M&M's 
to try and get them in the movie. And they said no. And Reese's Pieces was just like, we'll give it to you for like nothing. Yeah. yeah all right. Do it. Yeah. And then the sales of Reese's Pieces skyrocketed. Um, so some salesmen approached Universal for Back to the Future and said, hey, I can do what ca- what uh, E.T. did for Reese's Pieces. Uh, I can do that with Back to the Future for California Raisins. Okay. And if you look at some of the deleted scenes in uh, um, for the original Back to the Future, there's some close-up shots of California Raisins. But even the director is like, they photograph like a bowl of dirt. Nobody's going to... Nobody's going to want raisins. Yeah. I think the one product placement for raisins that I saw in this movie was uh, the hobo on the park bench at yes. the end of the movie. The park bench is emblazoned California raisins, California. and you associate it with a hobo. So it's like, oh, that, that didn't work out for anybody uh, this time around. And um, <laughs> as far as suspense... Oh, God. Suspense. I mean, the, the, the scene where where the lightning's going to strike the tower and mm-hmm. they have to get everything lined up perfectly to get Marty back to 1985. Um, they drug that out so beautifully. Oh, my God. The, the, the plug comes undone at the top of the tower. The plug comes undone at the bottom of the tower. It's a, it, fix it? It, the, the, plug gets, it. the plug gets stuck to do, the the bottom of Doc's pants, and then the pants start to tear. And, oh, God. It gets stuck on the on the tree branch that, that, that fell down and, and pulled it out to begin with. Uh, I mean, they, they, <laughs> it's, it's all manufactured. Yeah. The car doesn't start. Yeah, and then the car wouldn't start. <laughs> and, and the alarm goes off, and he's supposed to go, and the car still doesn't start. Um, it, it, it was just... Uh, Beautifully done. I, well, yeah, like I'm sitting in my chair, going, "Come on, come on, come on fix it, <laughs> yeah, hurry, hurry!" We're, yeah, we're we're loafed out in our chairs at like 35 years after the movie was released. It's like, oh, he's got to do it. Yeah. Oh God. And, you know, if you stop and think, well, of course he does fix it. Everything's going to go fine. Well, you know, it's go. yeah. But, but while you're watching, I, I mean, the movie really did suck me in, and I'm I'm screaming <laughs> at, the, at, the, at the television. Oh my God! Hurry! Quick! Quick! Come on, Doc! Get up there! <laughs> I, I really do think the facial expressions of Michael J. Fox and Christopher Lloyd really sell that, yes. especially Christopher Lloyd because he's got this big rubbery face and yes. he just he just mugs for the camera. His uh, eyeballs, his eyeballs must have hurt, uh, or, or the muscles around his eyes because his eyeballs are just jacked <laughs> wide open ninety nine point nine percent of the time. I mean, even when he's even if he was just uh, talking about the weather, his eyeballs are the old. Everything oh, excited him. Uh, it's 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 the best. Yes. Um, uh, there good was fun movie. Good fun movie. I know there was. Oh, um, the theme song. I don't know if you know this. So uh, uh, Huey Lewis in the News yes. did uh, the song "Back to the Future," okay. uh, or sorry, "Back in Time" for this movie, and then their song "Power of Love" was featured right. all over the movie. The only reason that Huey Lewis and the News agreed to this was because the year before, they were approached uh, by Columbia and said, hey, we've got this movie coming out, and we want you to do the theme song for it. It's called Ghostbusters. And Huey Lewis and the News say, no. And then they're like, hey, Ray Parker Jr., can you plagiarize a Huey Lewis and the News song, I Want a New Drug? 
and just say Ghostbusters a lot over it. So they do that. Huey Lewis and the News sue when now anytime Ray Parker Jr. sings Ghostbusters, they get a cut of it and they're like, we're going to do the next movie that comes along. Yeah. Back to the Future is born. And um, it just... It's, I love how the two of the things that I'm really obsessed with just are intertwined on a uh, legal scale. <laughs> Even though, like, surface level, they really don't have anything to do with one another, besides cool cars the, um, uh, and scientists doing unethical things. <laughs> the concept of, of Marty, uh, Marty's mother as a teenager uh, uh, having a crush on Marty... Mm-hmm. Uh, was kind of well. It was supposed to be creepy. Well, yeah, <clears throat> it's supposed to be creepy, and uh, um, they do kiss, but then they pull away, and she just says, "You know, it's like I'm kissing my brother." It's, yeah, uh, you know, um, it. Uh, that's why when that comedian, right? You know, yeah, yeah, you know, right? What he was saying that that just no, I get, I get it. Not ruined the fun of the movie. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry to ruin the fun of the movie for you. <clears throat> no, he did. Well, the, oh, well, good news, he doesn't have a bit about Back to the Future Part 2. He does uh, not. He does not, okay. which is the movie that we're doing next week. Okay. So, um, did you have anything else you wanted to talk about, or? No, it was a lot of fun. Okay. Uh, cool movie. Uh, oh, um, the actor, um, Marty's father. Uh, Crispin Glover. Yes. We'll, there's a whole story about that, and we'll get into that for part two because that's where the story really takes I mean, place. But he, he's he's a total uh, goofball, nerd, oh, man. wacky uh, loser kind of a kid uh, in as as a teenager. But you can see the other side of him as a as a father. He's uh, um, sophisticated and handsome. And <laughs> right, the uh, before and after yeah. sort of thing. He uh, cleans up well. Yeah. And if you really look at him, like, when he's supposed to be a dopey high school kid, he plays that well. But you catch glimpses of him in certain poses. He's a handsome young man. And, right. He, you know, he, he uh, like, at one point... Um, Marty's mom says, "Well, yeah, he's good-looking or handsome or something like that." And I think, really, and then I thought, oh, yeah. <laughs> kind of is. It's really, yeah, when he stands up straight after punching Biff when out. He stands up straight, and when he's not playing his goofy character, right? Yeah, you know, so, yeah. Um, uh, he was an interesting character. And like, uh, <laughs> do you have any idea of what he's done? Ooh. Where he went after that? Crispin Glover. Well, there's a huge legal fight. Uh, involving Crispin Glover that we're going to get into next week. And you can hear mom on a phone call. She always manages to take these phone calls while we're recording. Crispin Glover. Let's see. Best known for Back to the Future. Uh, ooh, he was in a whole mess of episodes of the TV series American Gods, uh, which is still playing, I believe. Uh, based on the Neil Gaiman novel. Uh, let's see. Handful episodes, a lot of movies I've never heard of. Alice in Wonderland, uh, the the Tim Burton 2010 movie. Hot Tub Time Machine. Okay. <laughs> Speaking of time travel. Um, yeah, he's mostly known for Back to the Future. 
but he is a consistent working actor. He, okay. I don't think I'm, yeah, I'm not seeing any like year missing on here. He's got like at least one project every year up to modern day. Okay. That's a little crazy. I don't know. There's a bit of a gap between 96 and 2000, but no, he is constantly working. That's crazy. I don't know any of these movies, but he's, he's certainly in them. He plays Grendel in the 2007 Beowulf, which was also directed by, I believe, Robert Zemeckis. There it is. Same guy. Um, anything else you wanted to, 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 to mention? Well, any further look forward, thoughts? Look forward to the next ones. Any, uh, anything in particular you remember about Back to the Future Part 2? No, I don't remember... Uh... Nope, don't remember. Nothing. Fair enough. All right, well, we're going to go in fresh. Uh, Again, these are all on Netflix, so you can watch along with us. I think this is the first, like, zeitgeisty movie we're actually doing until we uh, finally uh, cover the rest of the first season of The Mandalorian, which I am hearing a lot of rumors about season two, and I'm getting worried. I'm like, oh, no, they're going to cram too much crap into it. Just focus on Baby Yoda. Um, that lady from nope, um, nope, nope. that lady from uh, Longmire and Battlestar Galactica. Gonna- I heard about that, and I have some concerns about that because, oh, like, sure. they've already announced that um, another character from the Clone Wars cartoon series, Boba Fett, right. and now uh, Bo Katan, played by Katie Sackhoff. Look, look, I love Katie Sackhoff. Yeah. I really want to see her do more stuff. But I just feel like they're stuffing too much into this series. Hopefully, I will be proven wrong. Give it a chance. Look, I would love to be proven wrong about something Star Wars lately. Um, I'd love that. Uh, Otherwise, I am HD Lickner on Twitter. You can find us at pod underscore Frank on the tweets. I'll post the DeLorean pictures on there. And rate, review, subscribe. That would be lovely. Um, Dad, anything you want to take us out? Yeah, send money, uh, <laughs> make comments, uh, <clears throat> do, some, do something with your uh, <clears throat> do something with your life. Uh, even though there's a virus out there, don't get sick. Don't bring it home to your old your old 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 parents or your grandparents or your little baby brothers or sisters. Uh, be smart. Don't be stupid. How's it go? Don't be stupid. Be a a smarty. Yes. We're not going to finish that sentence. Wear your mask. Uh, (laughs) Don't go to the party. What are you looking at, butthead?